Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Thank you so much for listening today. We have a fabulous guest joining us today. We are going to get to know one of the newest writers at Blazer's Edge. Welcome to the What Podcast, Lindsay Hostetler. I'm glad to be here. Can't wait to learn more about you and everything about why you love basketball and all that good stuff. But before we get into it, want to just remind everybody that they can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. And you can subscribe to the show in the Blazers Edge podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcast. But now let's turn to the really important thing is getting to know Lindsay. First thing I want to know about you, Lindsay. We just, we're recording this on Monday night, and the Blazers played a game, a game against the Cavaliers. The first mm-hmm. half and the fourth quarter were worth watching. The third <laughs> quarter was difficult. So my question for both of you, but let's start with you, Lindsay, is do you have a coping mechanism when you are watching basketball games and they are, things are not going well? Uh, my main coping mechanism is turning to Twitter. And seeing what other people are talking about so that I can feel like part of a community. And that that actually, you know, is a huge part of why I'm a Blazers fan is because of that community. Awesome. How about you? How about uh, you, Cassidy? Um, depending on the level of how bad it is going, <laughs> uh, there is the, uh, the basic Twitter level. Then there's the ice cream level. Um, (laughs) and then there's the screaming at my TV and hoping my neighbors don't call the cops level. So three levels. (laughs) Yeah. Mine go, I, I stress eat, unfortunately, which I know is like super unhealthy. And tonight I stood like in front of my refrigerator with the door open and just ate like a slice of pie right out of the pie tin. And I was like, this is terrible. Uh, but I also I also turn to Twitter and then awesome uh, often I also turn to Emergency Kittens, which is a Twitter account, mm. which just tweets pictures of really cute kittens. And so tonight was one of those nights where I was heavily into both sugar and kittens. <laughs> but we made it through. We did. <laughs> we did make it through, thankfully. Yeah, that's not a team you want to lose to. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, this is going to come out a few weeks later. So hopefully the Blazers, or a few uh, days later. So hopefully the Blazers will have uh, at least one more win under their belt. And we can just forget about what happened on Monday night. So let's <laughs> turn now to getting to know more about you, Lindsay. How about, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you became um, a how you came to love the trailblazers? Oh, sure. Um, so I guess it started, well, I grew up a Sonics fan, if I'm honest. Um, I grew up in the Washington era. As you know, Tara, I grew up north of Seattle. And, uh, you know, I moved to Oregon when I was 13, and I held on to that Sonics love for a long time. Do you remember when you first started watching the Sonics? Uh, I was a very small child. Um, my dad played basketball in college. And so I grew up watching basketball, playing basketball. And the Sonics were my one true love for a long time. And even when I, after I moved to Oregon as a teenager, 
I hung on to that. But then they moved to Oklahoma City. And that was hard. How old were you in the, when they um, moved? Let's see. I was 26. So um, I'd been a Sonics fan for a long time. So would it be just like picking at a sore spot if I asked you a little bit about what that was like at that time? No, no, go ahead. I mean, I, so it's weird because, you know, Cassidy, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, as as Portland Trailblazer fans, we were acutely aware that it was happening and it meant that it was you would be taking away, you know, one of our closest or taking away the closest rival to the Portland Trailblazers. But that I wasn't like putting my head in your head thinking about what it must actually mm-hmm. feel like. So like what was that like? It just felt like this allegiance that I'd had all my life evaporated overnight. Um, that something I'd always had as part of my identity, especially moving to Oregon as a teenager and still wearing my Sonics gear to school. Um, mm-hmm. It felt like something really important had been taken from me. Um, I got a lot of crap uh, living in Hillsboro um, from my peers about my decision to stay a Sonics fan as a, t- especially as a teenager. Um, and especially, I mean, at the time, you know, the Blazers were coming off. This is the late nineties. The Blazers are coming off that hot, hot early nineties performance. The Sonics went to the finals against the Bulls. Like there was a lot of tension between Blazers and Sonics fans at that point. And so then to have lived through that and then have my team basically go up in smoke by moving to Oklahoma city. That was hard. So how long did it take you? And what was it like when you decided that you would be all in on the trailblazers or are, are you all in, or is there always going to be a little part of you? <sighs> so, well now I'm all in cause I've lived here so long. Uh, that's a huge part of it, but also Brandon Roy. Um, changed my mind and my heart pretty completely. Uh, You know, he gave everything he had for the Blazers and he did it right at the time where I was looking for a new team and I lived here and I lived among Blazers fans and I saw what Rip City was all about um, because of Brandon Roy. And, And so I just, I can't ever forget that or leave that behind either. Hey, Cassie, do you re- what do you remember about the time that the when the Sonics were moved? So the funny part of it to me is I was moving to Seattle that year. <laughs> so I moved to Seattle and lived there for two years um, right after that happened. And I remember being so mad that I couldn't go to games in Seattle and be the annoying fan cheering for a different <laughs> team. Um, cause that was kind of a little bit of my goal. And so when that was taken away, I was kind of bummed. And then I also learned kind of the sore spot, uh, of the team leaving as I was living in Seattle as definitely an unapologetic Blazers fan. <clears throat> Lindsay, do you feel like any, uh, healing has, has happened then? I mean, <sighs> what do you feel like when OKC comes to town? That's always a question I have. I- like, are you... Do you hate them or do you still see them as Sonics? 
Uh, well, it helps that Kevin Durant moved on from OKC. Um, I have a, a special dislike for KD. Um, but OKC, uh, it's it's changing mostly because I really like Steven Adams. I think he's fun to watch. Um, and Paul George this season has been incredible. Like, you can't argue with that. Uh, but yeah, the Thunder, they're always going to be a sore spot for me. Yeah. Um, they're just so good this year. You're right. <laughs> well, so let's back up a little bit. And you said that you have been a fan since you were a little kid. Your dad played basketball and you played basketball. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about like when you were growing up? You know, what did it what did it mean to you? Uh, to be a basketball fan? Um, Well, so the town I grew up in, in Washington, Stanwood, uh, had a really good girls basketball team for a couple years when I was an adolescent. So like 12, 13 years old. Well, no, 11, 12 years old. Um, But they were incredible. They went to state two years in a row. And to me, watching them play basketball was just it was so fun to watch these girls do so well um and to see the town kind of rise up with them and be happy for them and I guess I just saw what how fans and basketball interact with each other um so that that was a really defining thing for me in my basketball fandom is watching Stanwood High School do so well in uh girl state and did you you played as well um just as a little kid because uh-huh. after we moved to oregon uh middle school sports in oregon are very different than they are in washington <laughs> so i bet that was different when you went to a place where the whole town rallied behind one team and then you went to a city where there were multiple teams in one city yeah absolutely and um, OSAA doesn't really do middle school sports, whereas in Washington, middle school sports are organized by the state. So so you mentioned that part of the reason that you like being part of the Blazer community is, um, you know, you know, Twitter is one of the things that you like about mm-hmm. being part of the Blazer community. Um, and then recently you became a writer on Blazer's Edge. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about kind of uh the types of things that you, you know, do for writing for Blazer's Edge and, you know, if that or in what ways, if I am assuming that it has enhanced, but I don't know that for <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, you know, what it is meant to you as, you know, being a fan. Um, sure. Uh, so one of the things I think about a lot in relation to sports is uh, teamwork. And obviously we see the Blazers put teamwork together in every game. But uh, for me, one of the coolest things about being part of Blazers Edge is seeing how a team works um, across multiple time zones and even in different countries, uh, frankly. Um, and that's that's been one of the most interesting things to me as a new contributor. And I just... I respect being part of a team that um, our managing editor, Dave Deckard, really looks to, you know, find talent, develop talent, uh, support people 
um, push him forward into opportunities. And um, that's his example. And I mean, I know, Tara, you do that too. You did that for me. Um, but I think everybody on the team tries to do that. Is try We try to see the potential in other people. So that's that's enhanced my fandom because all of a sudden I'm looking at this, looking at being a Blazers fan in a completely different light. So, and you are, you've been doing previews and you've been doing news items and stuff like that. Anything that you've learned that surprised you either about the team or about opponents or anything that you feel like you maybe wouldn't have learned with, without having done this stuff? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just looking at the game in a deeper way. Um, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I think kind of behind the scenes, people don't see how um blazer's edge works and so in working with an editor or being pinged with a news story in particular you know you have to really look at things both from a micro and a macro level which is is different and interesting um the thing i liked best about kind of easing my way into it with the previews was i really got to learn how to analyze games and then now that i'm writing news i can apply those analytical skills in a different capacity. Yeah. It's really interesting too. Um, when you're, you know, sharing news on a site, like you're looking at it, like you're no longer just reading it for yourself, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge part of it. And, um, you know, I summarizing is a really difficult skill and I don't know how many people realize how you have to take sometimes a 500 to 1000, word news story and you have to cut it down to six sentences more or less and that's you have to you have to really decide what's important yeah especially after somebody's already like when they wrote the original article they probably cut it way down they probably wanted to start with 2,000 words and they had to cut out a whole bunch of stuff Cassidy I'm curious for you since we started doing the podcast do you look at the game or like the news coverage or anything any differently yeah, I definitely do. Um, <clears throat> I kind of, I find, I try to think about things that I think I find interesting versus things that more people are going to find interesting because I find some really weird elements of the game fascinating, but I'm finding a lot of those weird elements other people actually care about too. Yes. And so it's it's kind of fun <laughs> to to see that maybe I'm not the only one who's watching, you know, the little tiffs that happen on the sideline or little tiny celebrations that I love or the fact that, you know, I feel like headband Mo is better than non headband. Headband Mo is definitely um, better than non headband Mo. Yeah. Headband Mo is awesome. So I think finding my fellow headband lovers is also a big part of this for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so let's transition to the next part of what we were going to talk about. Although I have one last question for, uh, for you, Lindsay, mm -hmm. what is one or, uh, you know, what is a favorite blazer memory of yours? Um, so, uh, about four years ago now, I got to go to my first blazers game. Um, and I actually remember it really well because it was really close to Valentine's day. So it was our Valentine's day date. And, I got to sit courtside. <gasps> oh my gosh. How did you get that? That's awesome. Um, so my husband's company has 
season tickets that employees get to buy. Um, and they're right underneath the blazer basket in row BB. So you're like, you're right there. It's one row back from the floor. Okay. Were you afraid someone was going to fall on you? Well, that's just it. Um, that game, Zach Randolph, it was against Memphis. Zach Randolph fell onto the women right in front of us, upset all of their margaritas which are expensive <laughs> when you're sitting courtside. And he was so apologetic. I mean, Zebo was so apologetic. It was great. So That's amazing. That is a really good one. Yeah. Cassidy, do you have any favorite? I mean, we- we've sprinkled in favorite memories here and there. Does that oh, have any, man. that bring any particular like game disaster memories to your, uh, or like weird things that happen <laughs> during games? I have a, I have um, a weird one. So I'll say that. And then, so a couple, like last season, I think it was the game against Toronto and it was that game where the Blazers only scored seven points in a quarter, which was like completely miserable. Yeah. But oh. before that happened, before the game started, they were playing Toronto, right? So we're in, in, you know, the Moda center, they're playing Toronto and they came out and they played the Canadian national anthem. And then like they just went back to shoot around and then a little while later I remember they this. turned the lights down and did the national anthem and it was like so weird. I was like weird. looking around I was like does anybody notice what just happened it was like they, they didn't know what to do they just kind of all awkwardly went back to shooting baskets before the national anthem I just thought that was so strange oh. and like nobody said a word about it and I was just like Wait, all the Canadians behind me were just singing oh, the national gosh. anthem. And now back to looking at it. it was just so strange. That's my that's one of my weird uh, in game in game stories. How about you, Cassidy? You got any weird in in arena stories? Uh, the the flying uh, SUV, oh. the one that <laughs> yeah. drops the envelopes. Uh, the the saga of that just like crashing multiple. I think a few times at this point has been wonderful because it's. I mean, it's just a giant air balloon but it, it it's so funny that it's just like crashed into uh it's crashed into i think the uh entrance of an like a uh, section and then i remember it kind of like falling into fans before that's been fun um i'm trying to think of another yeah the night that another thing one died was, was it was amazing because remember when yeah. it, so like one of the engines went out and then it started yes. to just kind of list and then they all went out and it just kind of really super gently fell <laughs> Like it took yeah. a long time and everybody kind of like put their hands up and caught it and then they couldn't figure out how to get it out. And so they turned it on its side and they shoved it through the door. And they, <laughs> so we so took a good. picture of it from the other side of the arena. And that is like one of my favorite pictures ever taken because <laughs> it's just like these guys just shoving it through the door. <laughs> so good. You guys um, did remind me yeah. I was in the arena for the tic-tac-toe disaster last year. Oh, that was a great one. Yeah. But it's happened so many more times. It has, and I can't believe it. And every time it happens, we're just like, what? <laughs> it's got to be way harder to do it? than it looks. No, you it's know, tic tac people. No, but like you're looking at it yeah. from a completely different angle. Like we can see from up top easily what's going on. But then like the the thing already has like shapes printed on it. And then you have to go and you have to take your thing. and put, I don't know. I would t- completely melt down under mm. the stress of it. I could never do it. <laughs> I still think. Uh, yeah, I'm with Cassidy. 
<laughs> All right. Okay, fine. Well, speaking of none of that, <laughs> what <laughs> We were going to talk tonight about, so, you know, all-star break is over. And so we're in the home stretch. And I was curious about what are the different, some of the different things that you both are going to be watching for, for the remainder of the season. So who wants to start? Um, I guess I can kick it off here. Uh, I think I'm looking for teamwork for the rest of the season that allows Dame to kind of refresh himself before the playoffs start. I know we're still going to see Dame in Dame form, but I think that there's going to be a lot more games where he kind of takes a step back. And I think we've already seen that in the few games that we've had since the all-star break where kind of teamwork makes the dream work. Everybody's contributing. Everybody's got those numbers. And it doesn't mean that Dame has to have that 40 point night or that crazy game. And so I think I'm interested to see how much rest we can give him and then see what the reward is once we hit playoff time. No, it's interesting that you mentioned that Cassidy, because those are uh, both things that came up during the broadcast tonight, actually. Um, And Dame himself even kind of said like his goal for the road trip was managing his energy levels. Um, And I think that's Mm -hmm. so important because we know when Dame gets tired, um, opponents go at him even harder because they see it as our weakness yeah so i think the the more energy we can allow him to have the better for us in the long run for sure um but i also think it's going to be interesting how they manage that yeah i wonder if he'll get less playing time or if he'll just be um playing alongside other people who handle the ball more because that's one of the things that i've tapped that i want to try and pay attention to is the ball handler rotation mm-hmm. um and you know are we going to go back to a point where we see damon cj sit at the same time again mm-hmm. you know right now evan turner is out um so it's mm-hmm. really just dame cj and uh seth curry as primary ball handlers but when uh when turner comes back are they are they going to give damian more rest on the court or is he also going to get more rest off the court you know depending on how those all the other ball handlers work what about you Lindsay? what else are you no i think you bring up a great point with the absence of evan turner um one of the things i found really interesting in tonight's game against the Cavs was that despite Evan's absence, uh, ball movement in the bench unit was still really good, um, especially in the first half. Um, and I just think if, if we can maintain that going forward, uh, because obviously Evan's out with knee soreness and who knows how long that's going to take for him to come back to the game. Like, I think it's really key if we can keep second, the second unit up and and moving in the way that they were tonight, at least in, at least in the first half, like, let's be clear here. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Third quarter. There was no third quarter. Third quarter. (laughs) It didn't exist. It didn't happen. Um, I just, I really think that's one of the interesting things with Turner out is how do you split up those ball handling duties? Who takes the lead and who, who plays off ball? Um, given the lineup. Well, and as the ball has started to move around a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need a primary ball handler right. as much, I guess. So, you know, 
can the Blazers kind of take that and run with it over these last few games? I mean, there was at least one play tonight uh, with in the second unit that was one of those ones where they just passed, 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 yeah. passed, passed. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, like, you know, at some point Seth Curry had the ball and he, I think he may have even finished that one. Yes. But it wasn't one of those isolation half court, you know, bring it up kind of, kind of plays. And I guess the more options that they have considering how things went in the finals or in the playoffs, finals, I wish in the playoffs <laughs> last season, um, you know, the more options that they have that are not Dame and CJ, the better. Well, and I think you bring up um, a great point in the ISO ball. I think we we hurt ourselves sometimes going ISO when perhaps we need to pass. And, and we saw that tonight in that, that play you're referring to with the ball movement. You know, it ended up with Curry got things started. They passed it around. It finally came out to Zach Collins on the perimeter. Well, Cantor to Collins, then Collins through the skip pass over to Curry and Curry sank the three. And that was, it was huge in terms of momentum. And I think it's also huge for that second unit in terms of understanding like, okay, we can run the flow offense. We can do it well. um, And we can rely on each other. Yeah. A lot going on offensively. How about defensively? What, what do you kind of have in your sights? for the team and like how they finish out the year defensively? Well, to be honest with you, um, my hopes aren't up there. I love defense. Like growing up a Sonics fan, Gary Payton, love him. Um, So I I feel really strongly about defense. Um, I saw some great, great performance on defense by Mo tonight, trying to make things happen, trying to get the steal. but I always think, like, if we could get back to six steals Mo from last year coming off the All-Star mm. break, remember that game? Yes. If we can get back to that, yes, that would be amazing. That would be so good. That's the We Mo need we six need. steals Mo back. Uh, but I think if we get that, I think if uh, Chief uses his length, he's so good at being lengthy, right, and, and being pesky. Uh, I think that's really positive. Um, you know, as far as the addition of Ennis Cantor, he's not really known for his defense. But but we have great defensive coaching. So I'm not going to give up hope yet. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with him defensively because I feel like maybe with the right coaching, right? it'll all click and we'll see like, the most well-rounded canter that the world has ever seen. And it'll be amazing. Yeah. Could be. Well, the, the thing that I'm interested on defense is, is, is has to do with canter. Cause I'm curious to see how, and how the Blazers use the bigs mm-hmm. and, um, and mostly it's just for my own edification to just, uh, practice noticing these things because frankly I get so I offense is easier for me to see defense is a lot harder for me to see mm-hmm. and you know I will I'll only notice and think to pay attention to what happened like right as the other team is scoring <laughs> I I forget to look at it like up to that point so one of the things that I want to follow and track 
is how they play the bigs and like with with Yusuf Nurkic it's like he's usually either he's either up or he's down and it's him and then there's all the other guys are like running around but how are they going to do the second unit the second unit tonight they had the they you know it was Cantor but uh Zach Collins played with him tonight yeah and so they were kind of both coming up and playing defense. And I, I just want to pay attention to like where the center is putting themselves in the defensive position, because I'm also curious about, because what I've heard is that that changes a lot in the playoffs. And so I'm just going to keep my, my eyes on that. I don't know. Maybe the two of you have watched more defense than I do. What, what are some of your thoughts on that? Um, I think in the case of the Blazers, it really comes down to who's mobile, who can, who can, um, you know, close out, who can follow players, who can pick up the switch. Um, you know, that's really one of our keys, I think, on defense is picking up the switch versus dropping it, because um, sometimes it it gets missed, and when you're looking for blocks and you're looking to defend the basket, like picking up that switch, especially on the pick and roll is huge. Especially when you're working in new players too. Right. I would imagine that. Although I've, I've noticed some, like I, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but some basically championship level pointing going on. I was just going to say that you mentioned that on Twitter earlier. And I think that's really valid. You know, that's where we win on defense is we have the ability to communicate. Anything else y'all are going to be watching for from the Blazers? I'm looking for Cantor to pick up more of the uh, offensive sets going forward. Because one of the things I know about the flow offense is as players get comfortable, there are more and more wrinkles that come out of it. And it's constantly evolving and changing, which I think is really fun to watch as a, a spectator. And so as Cantor learns that, I'm really, really cool, really interested to see like what cool things happen because he's learned the offense. Yeah, I think we're we have exciting basketball in store for us as Blazer fans for sure. this season. <laughs> yeah, it really has been fun to watch this second half of the season. I mean, you know, starting like in in January and they were really clicking. There was some just straight up fun ball. How about the Warriors game? That Warriors game was great. Oh, that was yeah. really fun. Fantastic. A lot of the the brawling was a lot of the fun. <laughs> that, definitely. How about that one too. That's the part yes, of this the most. Especially if Zach Collins is involved. <laughs> yes. So what are you going to be watching for with the with the rest of the league? Um, like any teams that you think may either outperform expectations or may may fall off dramatically? Or what do you think about that? I'm really hoping the Utah Jazz step up at some point in this season. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that they're a couple places behind us because I think they should be doing a little better than they are. They have all the pieces and there is no reason why they can't perform. Uh, so I'm not sure what's what's really going on there. They've lost miserably to us. Um, the Thunder are on a roll and a huge part of that is Paul George. I mean, he's turning in an MVP level performance uh, and he deserves a shout out for that. Um, the teams I'm really curious about are Denver and Houston. Yeah. So what do y'all think about that? Cassie, what do you think about Denver? I am, as a Blazer fan, I'm a little <laughs> fearful of Denver. 
Um, uh, I think they're a really fun team to watch. And I think that because of the way they're set up, they have the ability to kind of take down teams that you wouldn't expect. I think having the bigs that they do, having kind of just the way they play doesn't seem like a great matchup for some some other teams. And it seems like it would give – I would think it would give Houston a lot of – it would give Houston a headache, I would for sure think. And I haven't gotten to see them play against each other this season. But I got to think that would be an interesting matchup to watch in itself. What do you think, Lindsay? I, well, I just think Nikola Jokic is, you know, absolutely who you have to watch out for on the Nuggets, hands down. Like, guy's an all-star, and uh, he proves it every game. So, I just, I, I, I feel like Denver's probably gonna excel and do really great, mm-hmm. and but I just don't think that I think everybody's forgetting the fact that they missed the playoffs the last two years at the very end when they were in a clutch situation where they had to win and they weren't able to win. And they, as a result, they don't have much playoff experience and I'll probably be wrong and they'll probably be do fine. And they'll probably just march all the way to no, 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 no. the finals. I hope you're right. But I think somebody needs to point that out. Like, it's like everyone has, um, <laughs> what do you call it when you can't remember stuff? amnesia about the fact that they have not made it and not only have they not made it but in situations where they had to win they were not able to do it so maybe they channel that but also like they're probably good enough I guess to withstand things in the playoffs but they don't have a ton of playoff experience that's a great point you know and a KG team like Houston you know, who's been there a lot and has guys like, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden, I could just see them, you know, really giving them fits. Yeah. And you're seeing like Chris Paul on a different level. I think part of this season, Uh, I think the games where he wants to step it up, he steps it up. And you saw that in their game against Mm -hmm. the Warriors the other night that when Chris Paul has, has a mission in mind, uh, he's kind of a dangerous player. Absolutely. You know what makes me feel good about Chris Paul? And there's not much that makes me feel good about Chris <laughs> Paul because I find him along with Marquise Chris to be the people in the league who look most like they're having a terrible time. But one of the things that I do appreciate about Chris Paul is how he's able to have an extended career. And it gives me hope that Damian Lillard will be able to en- uh, enjoy the same sort of extended career because Chris Paul is not a spring chicken. He's been around a long time and uh you know these these point guards they take a beating every night um but he's been able to do it and so it makes me feel like you know Damian could also have uh, a longer career than um you know maybe initially I was thinking he would be able to given how hard he plays yeah and, and Damian overall has been healthier in his career than Chris Paul has up to that point so it'll be really interesting to see that yeah I mean I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I really um, thought Houston was done <laughs> earlier this season, though. I was so wrong about oh, that. Oh, I, I so completely annoyed. agree. Yeah. I thought they were done. Uh, and I thought, you know, maybe Chris Paul was looking forward to just enjoying his position as the uh, player association president. But they've really made a comeback. So, yeah. 
one last team I want to ask you all about, and then we'll let's wrap it up. Uh, San Antonio Spurs. I think <laughs> they are fascinating. They are really what interesting. Make, what do you I think the bats have cursed them. The curse of the bats. It's over, huh? Um, the, bat, the, the bats did, did serve them well for a long time. They were all uh, vampires, but then they were yeah. they lost their regenerative powers, and now they're just like sad old vampires who, like, the world has moved on, and yeah. they're just sitting up in their coffins. Yeah, the world has found their garlic. I think that's. I think that's the truth. Um, they're they they're a squad that they're showing they're showing their wear I guess um they got some energy with the addition of Demar Derozan but I look at the rest of the squad so but for a lot of the I mean every time every time I count them out they just keep coming back that's true it's Greg Popovich right know. there I kind of wonder well and I kind of wonder if this is if we're if we're seeing the end of Greg Popovich yeah. in the league. And I, I don't know. I, I didn't think going into this season, this would be his last season, but I'm kind of wondering if he has that in his mind. Hmm. At least if this is, if we're, we're seeing the last few years of pop. Yeah. Well, I'll agree with that for sure. But I think he went through so much last year and I'm, I'm wondering totally. if he's kind of just ready to, focus on maybe other things. I think he just kind of seems frustrated with basketball right now. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. And, you know, with, with all, you know, these big name players, you know, like Anthony Davis, you know, trying to make moves and, you know, LeBron trying to make things happen his way, you know, maybe Greg Popovich is like, I've, I've been here long enough. <laughs> I've put in my time. I don't know though, because every time, I think the Spurs are done. They just keep coming back. So, yeah, I just, I just, I just don't I know. Mean, I don't know. Maybe he'll get cast in Space Jam and he'll just find his true calling of being a Hollywood <laughs> actor. Can totally see that. I have hopes and dreams. Well, anything else we all y'all want to cover before we uh, log off for the night? We need to um, learn. Uh, for where uh how can people find your stuff online Lindsay? um i'm on blazer's edge as l hosteller and i'm on twitter at at corvallisonian how do you spell that corvallis c-o-r-v-a-l-l-i-s onian o-n-i-a-n right awesome i think i got that right <laughs> uh that's what, that's why I asked you to smell it. Nailed it. <laughs> I was like Corvallisonian. Oh, that's a hard one. Also known as Corvallis Foodie. Yeah, you that can was, search that. That too. was how I knew you for the longest time. Yeah, Corvallis Foodie. But now you're Lindsay. <laughs> okay. And uh, Cassidy, did you have any coffee talk re recommendations? Lindsay, do you drink coffee? I drink a lot of coffee. Okay, well, Cassidy has treats for us. She knows all about coffee and has really great coffee recommendations. So did you bring some for us tonight? We're going to throw back over and we're going to talk about Aminu and Harkless's coffees again that I've picked for them. Uh, for Alfaruk Aminu, I have picked Junior's Roasted Coffee, the Morago from Burundi. Um, it's kind of a flavor with a, it's kind of got a black currant flavor that raisin plum flavor. It's a medium roast and it's a really unique coffee that provides a consistent and delicious pick-me-up 
in a beautifully artistically decorated bag. So it felt perfect for Chief, our uh, artist in awesome. residence. Um, and for Mo Harkless, I've picked uh, Squirrel Rhapsody so he can harness his fear of squirrels. Um, because you got to harness your fear in order to move forward and have it power you. So the delicious full-bodied uh, coffee blend from Marigold Coffee Roasters um, has hints of peanut candy and a caramel finish. And it's the perfect blend to get Mo fueling that fear of squirrels. So that's the Squirrel Rhapsody from I Marigold. tell you, whatever he's been having for breakfast <laughs> lately, he needs to keep having that and then add a couple of, cup of your coffee and everything's going to be great. Absolutely. Yeah. A good French press, always put on the headband. He should sleep in the headband, headband <laughs> always. So those are my, I'm, I just ordered myself some headbands. So get I'm ready. Getting Did you get the tie um, kind? Are you guys getting the kind that tie in the back now? No, I, I'm getting an NBA headband. Uh, that's that's what I'm getting. Well, but like, like Drew Holiday, I need like wears, them. and some of the NBA players are now wearing these ones that have like things that flow out the back. Hmm. I love them. Wesley yes. was wearing them for the Christmas game or the no the MLK game, and I was like obsessed with it. So Lindsay's gonna get like the the yeah, regular Terry one cloth one, yeah, and you're you're gonna get a tie on one, Cassidy, and we'll have you you guys can report yeah. back how how they're working. Perfect. Like, are you gonna like wear them as you go throughout your day? Yes, absolutely. You know? I think so. I think my everyday life could be in, definitely enhanced by a headband. And with that, I think we ought to take it out of here. <laughs> Wrap it up for the night. Everyone, <laughs> I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. Thank you, Lindsay, for joining us. Um, you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs and find Cassidy at, oh God, I'm going to do it wrong. So Cassidy, you give him your Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah. At Cassidy Gemmett, C-A-S-S-I-D-Y-G-E-M-M-E-T. You can also follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks or follow at Blazers Edge. And if you want to hear more of the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast, subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast feed and we will start showing up in that feed on Thursdays. Thank you so much for joining us. Ladies, we will talk to you later. Bye.